This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Barbecue Store, the official provider of barbecue supplies to listeners of Pitmaster. It's fall, it's football season, and holidays are right around the bend. That doesn't mean that the grilling and smoking stops. From smokers and fuel to rubs and sauces, the Kansas City Barbecue Store has everything and anything you could want. Make the Kansas City Barbecue Store your one-stop shop for all your outdoor cooking needs. As a listener of the Old Virginia Smoke Pitmaster podcast, you can get 10% off of your order this fall by using the code PITPOD, P-I-T-P-O-D, for online orders at www.thekansascitybbqstore.com. So keep on smoking, folks. All right, welcome to a new episode of Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. My name is Luke Darnell. Pitmaster of Old Virginia Smoke, and I'm here today with one of my very, probably my oldest friend in barbecue, not from an age standpoint, but from the person I've known the longest, but maybe from an age standpoint too, Um, and one of my best friends in barbecue. I am pleased and honored today to have Jerry Dyer of JD Smoking Misfits with me. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine, thank you. Man, you were at my very first contest and one of the very first people I met. That's pretty cool. That's true. That was at Fredericksburg, Virginia. That's right. That's right. And you guys had a little... Pow wow, that's when I learned that you could you arrive at contests on Thursday night and you have a good time and then you stay till Sunday. That's that's the very first thing I learned. <laughs> yeah, we always tried to do that. And so let's let's start with man, I have I normally tell a story about how something that I've done with each of my guests or how I met them or anything. Um, you know, probably my favorite story with you is the night that you escorted me to the ocean in Delaware for a little late night swim. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I, I guess you could call it that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, escorting is probably a bad word. I would say probably babysitting at that point. Um, I'm not quite sure how it ended up this way, but I know that I was severely intoxicated, but somehow I ended up in bed in the coach, blanket on, shoes off, like, like, like I had nothing had ever happened. So you must have a way with large drunk people. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, I will have to say that it was a very interesting and fun evening. <laughs> well, when did you start doing competition barbecue? My first barbecue contest was Memphis in May. And, of course, that took place in May, 
And it was 1982. 1982. So you've been... Yes. I was seven when you started cooking competition barbecue. That's incredible. And part of the reason I'm having you on is because uh, I had the privilege earlier this year at Recovery Fest, the contest that uh, we've done every year since we've been competing, and I believe that you've done it every year since they've had it. And that was, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And this was the, probably not the final contest, but the retirement contest of J.D. Smoking Misfits. That's correct. The end of an era. Who am I going to be? And I don't know about that. (laughs) Uh, We've had some good times, though, haven't we? That we have. Some very good ones. And it's, it's uh, you know, your family is basically my family. And it's, you know, Mary and Tracy and Dwayne. And you guys have always been there for us. And uh, it's just been an honor to cook barbecue with you. And I've learned a lot from you, too. Uh, mostly about trailer stuff, you know. We uh, have done some work on trailers, yes. <laughs> this lovable fellow on the on the podcast right now, guys, he made me lift a, an axle probably about 300 times just so we could get it in line. Now, it did need to be done, but I probably shouldn't have drank a bottle of bourbon the night before. Well, that's true, but I made you pay for that. <laughs> you did. You did. Um, so I, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you've never listened to any episodes of my podcast before. <laughs> no, sir. I'm sorry to say that I have not. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to ask you some questions about cooking barbecue. You ready for this? Okay. I'm ready. This is the one question that I'm super excited to ask you because how has your career and experiences outside of barbecue prepared you to be a better pitmaster? Well, I guess we'd have to go all the way back. I mean, when when I first started in 82, it was a Memphis and May contest. Uh, and I basically did Memphis in May contest up until uh, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And the first KCBS contest I took was in Westminster, Maryland. And I do not remember the exact year. But just to give you a little idea, it was Tuffy Stone was there, and he won his first grand champion at that contest. Wow. (laughs) That's cool. 
It is, and I've learned a lot from cooking. Well, just from cooking the uh, the Memphis contest type contest, we did enormous amounts of meat. We cooked whole hogs, whole shoulders, and ribs. Mm-hmm. And back then, you could cook just one meat, or you could cook all three. Not like you do now, where it's just one. Where you're, yeah, it's just one meat now. But when we cooked our first our first KCBS contest, we hadn't read the rules or anything, <laughs> and we really didn't know what was going on. So the the only thing we cooked, and we cooked whole shoulders. And of uh-huh. course, by only cooking one meat, we didn't have a chance of, of doing really anything, and we didn't. But we learned from that. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that I have found out is over the years, your judges, their tastes change. And you have to keep up with what the judges are looking for. And it's not easy. It is definitely not easy. And a lot of times it will change from year to year. And then other times it will go in trends that will last for a a few years, three or four years. But you've Mm -hmm. always got to keep up with it. And you have to you have to talk to the other pitmasters. Most of the time, other pitmasters will tell you what they have found out that the judges are looking for, and they will they won't tell you exactly what they're doing. Of <laughs> course, none of them will, but they can they can give you some, you know, kind of lead you in the right direction. Right. And that was one of the very first things that I learned even around that campfire that first night when it was, you know, you guys and the Palmers from, uh, I guess, New Revolution Q and uh, Mike Richter and Barbara was that I could learn a lot if I just sat there and shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> that That you can. And that that's a lot of the some of the best ideas that I got as a pit master was just sitting there and listening to people talk. That's why I always liked when, when we first started this thing we would like I, like you brought up earlier, we always went on Thursday and stayed till Saturday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. And back then, we had a real good time. We had a a good time on Thursday night. Of course, Friday night, everything was serious. No no drinking or no heavy drinking. And then we had another party, per se, on, on Saturday night. And that's where you learn a lot. By just sitting around and listening to other people talk. But most people don't do that anymore. <laughs> most, most, of your, 
Most feared? Go ahead. Well, do you mean that they don't they don't sit around and talk or anymore? Or they don't stay on Saturday night or come on Thursday or both? They they don't they don't come on th- Thursday, and they don't stay over Saturday night. I mean, you still get some camaraderie, but not anything like what we used to. Right. And I miss that. And it seems to have started changing, oh, 10, 12 years ago. It's when it seemed to start that, that most of your team, your team started showing up on Friday morning and then leaving as soon as awards were over on Saturday evening. You still had a few that would show up on Thursday and a few that would stay over on Saturday but not like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like I said, shoot, 15 years ago, almost everyone showed up on Thursday, stayed over on Saturday. Everyone had a really good time. And you still were out to win, but it wasn't, and I don't want to say cutthroat, but it seems to have changed more to everybody's going win, win, win. When back then it used to be, let's have a good time. We'll get serious on Friday night and Saturday. Then we'll have another good time on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And no one ever got, everybody was happy for whoever won the contest. Mm-hmm. Yep, it definitely has changed even in the 10, 11 years that we've been doing it. It's uh, it's changed a lot. So what was your what was your career before you retired? Well, I spent 24 years in the Marine Corps. And when I retired, I, my last four years, in the Marines were was at Quantico, Virginia. I was uh, with HMX-1, the president's helicopters. When I retired from the Marines, I took a job doing logistics support for the president's helicopters. And I did that from 1991 till 2012. And in 2012, I retired, retired. (laughs) So do you think, I mean, that's obviously a super detail-oriented and and very important job. Do you think that being that detail-oriented and having to, you know, be on top of so many of those details that that helped you as a cook? Well, probably, yes. I I was, it probably helped in the sense that everything that I did, I had a time to do everything, and I did everything when I was supposed to, or the Mm -hmm. timeline that I had set up. I was very regimented 
in the way that I cooked and and then and what I did. Uh, but cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. So everyone in barbecue, uh, we all know, sitting around the fire and <laughs> everyone likes to talk about all the things they've done. One of my favorite things to talk about are favorite failures. Like when something went wrong during your cook that really taught you something and built you up for success moving forward. Do you have a favorite failure of yours? Oh, definitely. <laughs> and if anyone knows Alex Brown, <laughs> he can back this up because he was there. It was at a Memphis in May contest in Galax, Virginia. Oh, yeah. And it was, I was, we always did whole, all three meats, whole hog, whole shoulders, and ribs. This had to do with ribs. I tried something that I should not have tried <laughs> at a contest with the ribs. I marinated the ribs and then rubbed them. After after the we took them out of the marinade, I rubbed them and let them set for a while, and then cooked them. Uh huh. But those ribs turned out as black as my car is. <laughs> they were not burnt. They just turned black. And of course, my very first judge, because you're judged on sight, my uh, very first judge was Alex Brown. And I told Alex something you never tell a judge. I told him before I even showed them to him, I said, you do not have to eat these. <laughs> they looked horrible. The thing was, they did not taste as bad as they looked. <laughs> they they weren't they weren't real good taste, but they weren't real bad tasting either. But that was probably my biggest failure at a cook. And you learned not to try something new at a contest. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> did he eat the rib? He did. He did, as well as the other two judges that showed up. Wow. And I don't... And like I said, they, they looked bad. They weren't... <laughs> they, they didn't taste that bad. It right. sure didn't taste as bad as they looked, but they they didn't taste good either. I mean, you know it. As they were probably medium uh, cook at home ribs <laughs> by somebody who just happened to throw something on the grill. <laughs> Oh man. 
That's a great story. I don't know that I've ever heard that one before, but I'll see Alex this weekend here in uh, Currituck, North Carolina. You asked him, asked him about, and we we give him, we didn't give him a name. Tracy actually gave him the name, but uh, asked him about ribs with bark. Okay, <laughs> I will do that. He'll he'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> so what's one of the best investments that you've made in competition barbecue? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Could you say it again, please? Yeah, what's one of the best investments that you've ever made in competition barbecue? The best investment I ever made was a trailer. The cook trailer? It made things. A cook trailer. It made things so much easier because you could put everything that you use for a cook in the trailer. You kept it there. You didn't have to load and unload everything from every cook. You knew where everything was. It kept you out of the weather. Yep. So the the best investment I ever made was a cook trailer. Now, see, that's a, an expensive one, which I agree. Like, I love, I love our trailer, and we talked about actually getting rid of it uh, this off season, but uh, luckily Kim stepped in and said, why don't we just fix this one really nice? So she's smart, but we all knew that. But do you have any, like, tools or or something special that you use that costs under $100 that has really, really made your barbecue life easier? Um... Trying to think it's something that'd make it real easy. I think for marinating. And some yeah. people some people do, some people don't. But for marinating, a vacuum pump that you have a container, you can put your meat in the container and you can vacuum it out and that really draws a marinade into the meat okay that's a good one that's one that no one said so far so look at you <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by barbecuedata.com barbecuedata.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data historical data calls wins placements Everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to BarbecueData.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, PITPOD. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on BarbecueData.com. Oh, my God. I'm going to ask this question just so I can make fun of you. Okay. <laughs> so do you depend on any technology during your cooks? Like a, I don't know, 
like a temperature controller or something? You had to bring that up, didn't you? It's one of the questions I asked, Jerry. <laughs> I have. I use, as you know, I I I use a gravity feed cooker. Mm-hmm. And it's temp controlled by Guru. A barbecue guru. And I have, pardon me? A barbecue guru, right? The fan system. Yes, a barbecue guru. And I have two of them. And they are the original barbecue gurus. They have the dials. The dials and everything. Yes, you. They, they're the ones. The first ones that come out. They have the dials on them. It's you set the temperature by dial, not by an LED readout or anything. And they are both still working. Do you think that the Smith? Pardon me. Do you think that the Smithsonian will want them back at some point? <laughs> I doubt it, but I've had them for over 20 years. That's incredible. And they still work. And they both of them still work, and they're used. It's not that they're used at ever cook. That's true. I have seen them every time, and that's a lot of times. Every time that we've and cooked can them. You- and can you say the digitals last that long? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I so barbecue guru, maybe they should go back to the dial ones. <laughs> I can't believe I, I saw that question and I just started laughing. I was like, I got to ask this. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about people in barbecue. Who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? Ooh, that's a hard one. As far as, as far as cooking is concerned, actual cooking, mm-hmm. I'd probably say there's two. Yeah. And one would be, one would be Myron Nixon. Uh-huh. And, and the other one would be Tuffy Stone. That's two pretty good names. <laughs> but there's a lot of good people in barbecue, and I mean a lot. And I can't think of more than two or three people that should not even be associated with barbecue, and I'm not going to name them. (laughs) But for the most part, people in barbecue are great. They really are. I've got got some wonderful friends that I will miss. Now, I'm not going to quit entirely. I may take up some judging again. I haven't made up my mind yet, but uh, I mean, 
I can see those sixes coming. Pardon me? I can see those sixes coming from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask this next question. Because I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to this one, Because, but I think there might be some stuff. But do you have any habits or rituals or routines or things that you have to do during a competition? Whether it's for good luck or that's just the way that you do it every time? No, not really. I don't uh I don't have anything that is that is particularly set in stone that I have to do every contest because contests are as you know, as anybody that cooks knows, contest, each contest is different. You're going to run into different things. Yeah. The temperature, the outside temperature, the humidity, all yeah. that plays a part. Uh, some, the wind mm-hmm. will play a part. So, so I don't have anything that I do that I have to do and as far as doing something for good luck, no. I don't. Uh, my one my one I guess if you if you if I've got a rule about anything, my one rule is I will not drink on Friday night. That's true. That is true. Yeah, you you know that. I do. That rule might might have been instituted in my trailer. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're when you were getting ready for contests, would your would your competition would your week would you do everything on the same day, like in terms of getting ready? Uh, yeah, now for the most part, now, I used to when when. Of course, Tracy actually took over as pit master mm-hmm. uh, in 2017. But up to then, and even after she took over, I still trimmed a lot of the meat. But I trimmed most of my meat at home before I ever got to a contest. Yeah, and I would and I would trim it on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Because we'd leave on Thursdays and go, to, so I always tr- trimmed my meats on Wednesdays at home, where I was never in a rush. I could take my time. I could do what I thought was a good job at it, mm-hmm. and of course, with the cook trailer, with the refrigerator in there, I had no problem trimming it, wrapping it, and storing it. Yeah. It's amazing to me, especially when you meet some cooks that are brand new, even still today, that don't know that you can trim your meat before you get there. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that's such a huge, huge thing when people are starting out. I mean, I didn't know that when I started. And 
I'm not granted. I've come to this contest. It's Tuesday. I'm cooking Saturday. Um, so I didn't really have time to trim anything, but I did trim my brisket this morning before I left because I know, I knew that once I left, I don't really have an option to go get another brisket. So I wanted to make sure that, that I wanted to make sure that the one that I, that whatever I trimmed was going to be good enough for me to use this weekend. So I had to get that done. Had to get that done. I only, I only hit a problem doing that. And, it, and I won't say that it was that the problem come from me pre-crimming the meat because it probably would have happened anyway. But, and this happened at Fredericksburg, thank goodness, because, mm-hmm. of course, you know, but I'm not sure everybody else does. I'm from Fredericksburg. So we knew where everything was, but I had, I had trimmed all my meat and I had a butt go bad. <laughs> And I mean, and this was right before the meat had been inspected. It was good when it was inspected. And how a butt can turn that bad that fast is beyond me. But this thing turned bad. <laughs> That's never and good when that I had, to, I had to go get another butt. But, uh, well, actually, Murray did, but stuff like that, you can't let it upset you and throw you off your game, though. Right. You, have to take, you have to take everything as it comes. Don't get upset. It's not so time critical that it's going to kill you in your contest most times you can you can adjust something you know you have meats that stall mm-hmm. and butts are butts are extremely bad for stalling in oh, yeah. my opinion and but you can work around all that stuff i think the one of the best skills that you can develop as a pit master is being able to adapt and to roll with what the cook gives you. That's correct. And you have to learn to do that. If you don't, if you don't learn to do that, it's going to drive you nuts. <laughs> you're, you're just going to, it's basically your blood pressure is going to go through the roof. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's a skill that I had to develop and had to work on and I'm pretty proud of where I've gotten it to in terms of being able to you know, mess with stuff and fix it if it if it goes a little haywire. So Well you're a good cook, look, Luke. You really are. You're a better <laughs> cook than I am. And as far as our team is concerned, we did respectable. 
we were kind of medium, you know, mid-road, but we did respect them. You have done extremely well, <laughs> and I'm really proud of you. Oh, thanks, man. You're a good, you're a good friend, and you're one of them. You're one of my best friends in barbecue. I just wish that that things had hadn't got as hectic, I guess, hectic as they are. Uh, we've lost a lot of good teams in the last yes, few have. years. A lot of good ones. There's a lot of new ones, a lot of good new teams that's come in also. But we have lost a lot of good teams. You're and right about that. I, I wish things were were a little different, uh, but they're not. So <laughs> you can't uh, can't dial it back. But no, that. But I, I will tell you. <laughs> That these uh, some of these younger guys that are coming in, especially in our area, um, are really they're kind of going back to doing potlucks and uh, hanging out and getting there on Thursdays, and it's kind of encouraging. Um, you know, it's I think, and I think they also have. They seem to have a, a respect for for what's come before them, which I think is important. So we'll, well just that, see. that's true. Yeah, and and I'm, I'm if if that is in true in fact happening, uh, it would be great. I mean, back. Well, when you when you first come in, look mm -hmm. at the, look at all the good times we had. <laughs> I mean, we really had some great times, and everybody was serious on Friday. Everybody was there to win, sure, but the world didn't come to an end if you didn't win, right. and you are always happy for whoever did win. Yep. And now there seems to be a rift between the cooks and the judges. Where a lot of times in the past, a lot of your judges would stay over with the teams on Saturday night. Right. And you'd have a good time. Cooks, team, you know, cook teams and judges. That definitely doesn't happen anymore. Not nearly as much as it used to, and, even, even five, six years ago. But and I there would just also... seems to be... Go ahead. 
I said, I, I, but I would argue, you know, you mentioned earlier that we've lost a lot of good teams. I think we've lost a lot of good judges too, whether it's been because of COVID or, you know, something else. You know, there's, there's people that we used to see every weekend that, you know, don't come out anymore. That's true too. That's definitely true. So. And you're you're right when you brought up COVID. COVID did a lot of damage to uh, the barbecue circuit. Definitely. A lot of a lot of the contests have closed, and they'll never come back. It surprised me when Recovery Fest came back after being out for two years. But some of the others that uh, I'm not sure Fredericksburg will ever be back again. No, I don't think it will be either, which is a shame because that was that was one of my favorite contests. Well, it was my first contest, so. <laughs> yep. I'll never ever. Even if you were, even if you were threatened. <laughs> Threatened? Maybe. Well, if memory serves me correctly, Mike Palmer kind of ordered you to uh, come down and uh, play for the best people in barbecue, did he not? He did. And uh, I remember we were sitting there with the guitars and and he walked away and I looked at Leanne and Kim and I said, we're not going to tell him no, right? Like, do you see the size of him? <laughs> <laughs> and we came down there and man, that kind of started everything, didn't it? It did. Yeah. I mean, I that, that started... That started a group of uh, of teams that, that showed up at a lot of the same contests. Uh, right. We set up next to each other, and that's the stuff that you don't see anymore. Well... There's a lot of organ organizers out there that would tell you different, and they would mention my name and say he's very difficult and he's always wanting to be next to who he wants. <laughs> 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 I do do that a lot, but you know, it's fine. Man, yeah, I think but it, back I think we go ahead. I said back then. I mean, you just just think of the of the teams that that was you and the Palmers, uh, the Richters, the Richters. I mean, they were just, uh, and I'm getting old. I can't remember stuff anymore. I'm especially horrible with names, but but there was. There were five or six of us that always set up together. Yep. 
The lackeys. The lackeys. Yep. Yeah, there was, but I think I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that there were always jars, jars of special juice rolling around on these Thursdays and Saturdays. There, there was one or two of those. Yes. If I remember correctly. If I remember correctly. And I remember getting a couple of those jars and taking them to Rochester, New York one one year for a contest. And uh, Oh, yes. (laughs) I'll tell the first half of this story, and then you can tell the second half of the story. Okay. So I took those jars up there to the Rock City Rib Fest, and that's pretty much the first time I met uh, Danielle Diva Q, and took those took a jar down there, blackberry, and within about twelve minutes and five people, that jar was gone, and and then I started seeing the fruit disappear, and I I looked at her and I said, "How many?" Of those of you eaten, she's like seven or eight. I'm like, no, very, very bad. I'll be fine. Okay. Well, I got accused of assassinating her whole team that night with with the jar of special substance. So then fast forward, I believe that you were helping out our good friend Mike Lindley. Yes, I was. And you We drove... were at Sunny's. Yep. We're at Sunny's in Florida. That's right. And I had never I had never met Diva Q. I had never met her. I knew what you had done, <laughs> but I had never met her. Well she showed up at Sunny's. She came uh-huh. down to cook. And yep. she was Sitting in her truck, waiting to get in because it was a it was a mud bath getting in that place. And some of them they had to get this big tractor to pull them in. But she yeah. was sitting in line, waiting to go in. And I come up to her truck. She had rolled the window down, and I said, "Hi." I said, "I heard that you'd been cussing me." And she looked at me real funny, and she said, no, sir, I haven't been cussing you. I said, well, that's not what I heard. I heard that you've been really calling me names and cussing me out. She said, oh, no, sir. She said, sir, said I don't even know you. I said, well, that's not what I heard. She said, well, I'm sorry, but I, she said, I don't even know you, sir. I said, well... I said, Luke Darnell's the one that told me, and I'm the one that furnished those jars that y'all drunk. And she looked me square in the face, and she said, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I remember when you called me and told me what happened, and I I still laugh hysterically when I think about it. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. 
Like I said, we've had some good times. Oh, we have. We have. Well, man, we've talked for 45 minutes. Can you believe that? I told you it wasn't going to last long. I barely asked you any questions. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't think I, we'd talk that long. I'll have to admit that. <laughs> well, I just wanted to have you on the podcast to publicly thank you for being such a great friend and such a great mentor to me, and for being being a part of our family, me and Kim and uh, Leanne, and we just. Barbecue would have never been the same for us if it wasn't for JD smoking misfits. So times that you're out there and if you guys get out and cook again, you know, that we'll be right there, hopefully right beside you. So. Well, I want to thank you. Y'all have you, my girlfriend, <laughs> Leanne, uh, all three of you have been great to us and we really appreciate it. Well, we won't be strangers. We don't live that far apart. So I look forward to seeing you at Buffalo Wild Wings here, hopefully pretty soon. So we can do that. I would love it. I would love it. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the old Virginia smoke YouTube channel as well. Tune in next week for another great episode of Pitmaster. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedanka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2022. Old Virginia.